Blog Talk Radio. We will be talking sports and having fun doing it. I want all your ideas, all your opinions, and all your beliefs. And, of course, as always, you will get a heavy dose of my opinion. If you have an opinion, the number to call, 646-727-3070. That's 646-727-3070. You can listen to the show at blogtalkradio.com slash pecan. That's blogtalkradio.com slash pecan. You can send messages to the show on Twitter. At go for again. That is G O F O R I T G A N T. And while you're there on Twitter at go for again, give me a follow at go for again. Great show lined up for you today. Expected to be joined by former NFL star, the one, the only Isaac Keys, and we're going to get his thoughts on some of the things going on around the NFL. Isaac, former NFL linebacker, so we're going to talk about the hit by DJ Swearinger of the Houston Texans in that whole situation with Dustin Keller. That hit essentially just ripped up his knee, ripped Dustin Keller's knee, MCL, PCL, ACL. So we're going to talk to him about that and talk to him about tackling in general in the National Football League. And also we're going to talk to him about some of the things he has going on, big-time actor, uh, you know, so he's doing some stage plays. He's doing a therapist, his web series. So he's got a lot of great things going on. We're going to talk to Isaac about that. Also, we're going to be be joined by David Banner, one of the stars of Lee Daniels, the Butler, big time movie, twenty five million last week, twenty five million last week. So a lot of people are going out and seeing the Butler. So we're going to talk to David Banner about that. Talk to David Banner about some of the things he has going on. Outside of the Butler, I mean, it was a big time movie, obviously. And we're going to talk to David about that, and also William Hollis, a free agent now, looking to catch on with an NFL team. We're going to talk to him. And this guy has a tremendous story. If you have not heard Williams William Hollis's story, you need to stick around and listen to his great story. He's coming to us in this two o'clock hour. William Hollis will be joining us at two thirty-five. David Banner at two ten, and Isaac Keys in the next few minutes. So big time show lined up for you. And again, if you haven't heard William Hollis's story, you want to stick around for that. I want to start in the National Football League and a lot of great news coming out of the National Football League, including the job in Philadelphia. The job in Philadelphia has finally went to Michael Vick. Chip Kelly obviously listens to this show because I said this numerous times. I believe that the Eagles should name a starting quarterback before the third preseason game. As we know, the third preseason game is a dress rehearsal. It is a dress rehearsal. So it's the last time you're going to see most of the starters. So to me, you want to make sure that you have your quarterback before you go out there for your dress rehearsal. And, hey, Michael Vick, it's not like Michael Vick hasn't played well. I mean, the guy has been pretty much flawless in the preseason. He's been flawless. One interception in the preseason, and that was an interception that was a Hail Mary throw. I mean, this guy has been flawless. He's been flawless. 
completed 13 of 15 passes in this preseason. So he's been flawless. He's been balling. He's been playing well. And I think it was time. At, at this point, it, it just became a little ridiculous to continue on with this battle. Because the reality is the battle was over. The reality is Michael Vick has played well enough to get the job. It's time. It was time. It, it was, the battle really wasn't all that believable at this point. I mean, Michael Vick had been dominant. There's no other way to say it. He's been dominant in this preseason. He's done enough, in my mind, to get this job. There's nothing more he can do. Nothing more he can do. Can't do anymore. Can't do anymore. He's done enough done truly enough to win this job. He's earned this job. This is Michael Vick's team, and it's time for Michael Vick now to go out and produce. I said this before, and I'll say this again when talking about Michael Vick. This is his last opportunity in a lot of ways. His last opportunity, because you look at Michael Vick, you look at what he came back from, I look at this as his, his He's got two strikes against him at this point. The 2011-2012 season, the last two seasons, which he was not good, and also the whole situation initially coming from the whole situation with the dogs and everything. That was strike one. Strike two is this. Strike two is the last two seasons. So now we're up to the possibility of strike three. Michael Vick can have a big-time year in this offense. You can see it in the preseason. I usually don't like to take much from the preseason. But from what I saw... In this preseason on Michael Vick, he, this offense fits him very well. This offense fits Michael Vick very, very well. And so this offense is perfect for Michael, it seems. This offense should and looks like it's going to put up a lot of points. I mean, it look, this offense looks like they're going to put up a lot of points. This season, I mean, points looks like with the Eagles, with this fast break offense and with Michael Vick playing the way. I mean, this is reminiscent of 2010 when Michael Vick was just special. He was special in 2010. He was one of the better players in this league in 2010. He was one of the better players in the league in 2010. So he's coming back now with an opportunity to save his career in a lot of ways. For, I mean, this is an opportunity for him to continue to be a starter in this league. I mean, if things don't go well for him, he could be in a situation now where he's fighting to be a backup. That's the situation he could be in if this does not work out for Michael Vick. I think it will work out. And I, I think the key with the Philadelphia Eagles is the defense. If the defense performs, or at least does something to stop teams, then this Eagles offense could have a lot of success. This team, I should, the offense is going to have a lot of success, but this team could have a lot of success. The Eagles now are an interesting team. Chip Kelly's offense, very interesting. This should be an interesting season with the Philadelphia Eagles. Win, lose, or draw, it's going to be an interesting season. Chip Kelly is going to make it interesting. And everybody is going to watch the Philadelphia Eagles 
kudos to Michael Vick for getting the job and earning the job. Now the big work comes. Now is where he has to earn his money, not only for this year, but for years to come. If he wants to play in this league and be a starter in this league, Michael Vick is going to have to be better than he was in 2011, than he was in 2012. If not, Michael Vick could be Vince Young, could be Donovan McNabb, could be one of those guys where he's fighting at this point to be a backup in this league. And we'll see what happens with Michael Vick, but I think he could put up numbers. Whether his team can be successful, that's up to the Philadelphia Eagle defense in my mind. But we shall see. I want to bring in a guy now, uh, one of my favorite guests, uh, a guy who doing it big on the who did it big on the football field, a guy who's doing it big in Hollywood, a guy who's just one of my favorite people. Let's bring him in now. Former NFL star linebacker, the one, the only, Isaac Keys. Isaac. <laughs> Man, I tell you what, you you get the best introduction, I tell you. And I'm always <laughs> always surprised and always excited. <laughs> <laughs> How are you, man? Man, I'm great, man. Life is good. Life is good. How you guys doing? How you doing? Doing, doing well. Life is life is grand. Life is grand. No complaints whatsoever. Isaac, I want to start now with the NFL, and I want to start right now with tackling in the NFL. I mean, we saw the whole situation, DJ Swearwinger of the Houston, Texas, seemingly hitting Dustin Keller below the knees. It was seemingly a defensive. He was seemingly Dustin Keller was a defenseless receiver. But he avoided fines, no fines there whatsoever. I mean, how do you see that whole thing, man? What's the future of tackling in the NFL? You know what? I'm glad you brought that up. I was sitting around talking with one of my former teammates, um, Robert Griffin, uh, to play safety uh, all those years, all pro, 13 years in the league, played with me in Minnesota and Arizona, and we were talking. And his face immediately lit up like he had a kill shot on the guy. Like the, the defensive back went low. But at the defensive back, you always look for opportunity to hit, you know, because you're always the size difference, first of all. You're a tight end, you're a defensive back. Now, if the guy is not turned around and squared up with you, that's like your prime time for a defensive back to really get that good power hit, to be able to try to make right. up for that, tie, that that size difference and hit him square in the shoulders because he was still turned sideways, head up, do this perfect form tackle, get all the kudos and high fives in the locker room that you possibly can get. And he decided to go throw a shoulder in low into his leg. I was disappointed in, in, in the decision he made and how he tackled Dustin Keller. Um, but then look at this on the flip side. The guys, you know, the league is transforming with all the rules and the head hits and all the things of that nature, which makes sense. But now you get a guy that goes low. And unfortunately it ends into, you know, a, uh, a season-ending injury. And, you know, hopefully he's able to come back from it. But, you know, it's it's a question game, man. It's a great area, and it's just one of them things, man, that it's unfortunate. But I just wish the defensive back would have had a better decision-making, you know, opportunity to really go a little higher and not hurt that guy. But you, you, cannot, you can kind of understand why he did it. I mean, we look at the whole situation with John Bostic of the Bears where that hit seemed – Legal. I mean, it seemed like a legal hit, and this guy is tw- fined twenty-one thousand dollars. So, when you look at it that way, you can kind of see why he did what he did. 
Yeah, I, I, the fine, I, I, that's the part I did not get. I didn't know that he, he signed $21,000 for the hit. This was John Bostic of the Bears who was fined uh, okay. 21000 with the, the hit, hit that he, uh, yeah. Hit the guy uh, and then fumbled on, 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 on the slip screen. That's the one you're right. talking about? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah. I, I mean, you know what, man, every time I, I think about it, it's just, it's just brain-boggling. It's like because if you start getting, if you start questioning how you play the game, then you're not going to play the game very long. And it's just simple as that. And it's just that. So you have to go out here and just play this game where you know how to play it. And, and anything that comes about with the fines and, and doing things like that, you just have to deal with that stuff later. Because in the long, in the big picture of things is you're out there to make plays. You're out there to play hard. You're out there to, to do everything you possibly can to help your team win within the framework of the game. But when it comes down to it, if you're not doing those things, then you won't be on that field any longer. And sometimes I think that some of these teams and owners should take advantage of, you know, being able to help these players out on real questionable fines and things of that nature to be able to help them out because ultimately they're playing for that franchise, for that team, and that they're doing that for their team. They're not doing it for themselves. So some of these questionable calls and and penalties and fines, I think that the owners and the players, I mean owners of the team, should help with those fines. So you feel like, you know what, Right, <laughs> and it's probably not going to happen. At least, you know, not not you know where everybody's going to know. Maybe it'll happen on the low, but you know, not everybody's yeah. going to know about exactly. it. Does happen. Now, right. let, let me ask you this, and let me ask you this, and you know, a lot of NFL players, you know, they talk about it. You know, I rather protect my knees than I, than my head. Is that the, the the mindset of an NFL player protecting the knees instead of the head? I think the mindset of the players is just. Um, it's just the, the the dirty play. Like you, it's hard to say, you know, protect the play because a lot of times what we did as players it was just it was the times when you couldn't really do anything to protect your knees and and protect anything. You just played the game. But when it came time where a guy just did something dirty, like actually went for your legs, that's what start, sparked the whole in the huddle. Like, hey, you know, number twenty five, you know, hey, he, he he playing dirty out there. You know, and then somebody mm-hmm. just put put their hands on him. And, you know, you always – but there was never a thing in the other, like, well, uh, we're going to go out here and hurt him and put him out, you know, like physically hurt him, try to end his career. I never was involved in conversations like that. I mean, what, there were conversations about, you know, we'll put him out of the game, but it wasn't like we were trying to injure him throughout the career. It was more like just hit him hard to the point where he, he doesn't want to, you know, come this way anymore. So I don't know how you could really say, okay, I'm trying to protect my knees, but you did get upset when you saw somebody deliberately going – or doing something like that to your knees or something in the nation. Right. right now, the concussions are the biggest thing right now, but I mean, mm-hmm. we've tried to find ways to, to protect that. And, and it's tough. I mean, the thing is, I know what the league is trying to do, but at some point, you're going to keep tinkering and keep tinkering with the game, and eventually you're going to mess the game up. And, I mean, you know, we'll see what happens. And obviously, the NFL isn't going anywhere anytime soon, but. There's always the possibility that we keep messing with something and messing with something. It's like a recipe. You know, grandma's cornbread, you keep taking some of the recipes out of it, keep taking things out of it, eventually it's not going to taste the same. And I I think it could happen with the NFL. Obviously it's not going to happen anytime soon, but there is that possibility. You know what it is? I agree with you on that. And I also believe that we have so much technology in this world that there's ways to be able to help protect our athletes. Uh, even more within the scheme of the equipment. 
Um, right. I mean, I, we'll talk about it later, but I'm, you know, I'm working on something that has to do with something with that nature, with concussions and things of that nature with okay. a company. But we haven't done anything to launch it yet. But the biggest thing is to protect our youth, and because that's going to be the future of the game. So if we can start getting the moms and, and, and the families involved in making the young children feel as confident as they possibly can to go out there and play this game, especially the moms, then they will allow right. their kids to continue to play this game. But what's going to happen is we're going to start getting it taken from the bottom, from the bottom of us, where the kids are not going to play football as much as the young kids. So then as the future right. grows, which is later on down the line, of course, then it's going to start affecting the game that way. And then they're going to realize they really had to put more money into the technology of trying to help you know, our players, because the game is not going to change for us the evolution of the player. The player is getting bigger, faster, and stronger. You've got a safety that's 230 pounds that's running a 4-340 coming off the hash, which is going to be, you know, according to the laws of Isaac Newton, it's going to be more of an impact <laughs> than if it was a smaller safety, you know, and it and, and wasn't as fat. You know, so... And, and the way I look... Go ahead. No, that's it. Go ahead. I mean, the way no, I look sure, at it is, I mean, if you're... To me, if you're jumping into a pool, you're going to get wet. If you're going into a boxing ring, you're going to get hit. So, And if you're playing NFL football, you're going to get hit. So to me, you can only do so much. I know the technology, there is a lot of technology, but at the end of the day, the game is violent. So there's only so much you can do to protect players from essentially themselves. That's very true. And if you talk to a player, a player is not really sitting there Worried about getting hurt. I mean, that's not his mindset. When he's going out to the field, if he thinks that way, then he's not going to be able to play this game. So, I mean, it is very true that, you know, it's a violent game, and that's, that's you know, part of it. Well, it's at least half, more than half of the reason why players play the game. It's because of that, right. that violence, and because it shows that commitment to, to being part of this game. I always said you can never play football. Some other sports you can play, but you can never play football if your heart isn't it. If you don't love the game, you can't play the game because it will it will it will spit you out immediately because there's too many right. too, too many entities that go into this game that you have to go through to love it. I mean the preparation mm-hmm. for waking up in the morning. Well, and I'm talking about all these kids like high school kids are working out two hours before school starts and then during an eight hour day at school where it's not like college where you get a break in between classes and then doing practice afterwards. So I mean right. that, essentially during a fifteen hour day almost. You know, you can say 15-hour day and then going home, studying and everything. Like, you have to love this game. And that's not talking about an injury that you may have had to go in the locker room earlier, in the training room earlier to get, you know, to get treatment. It's You have to love this game. It's not like going outside and practicing basketball where you can just sit there and shoot a 1,000 jump shots by yourself. Right. You're right. You're right. I mean, all in all, do you feel like that uh, swear ringers hit, do you feel like it was dirty? Uh, it was legal, but was it dirty? No, it wasn't dirty at all. That was okay. the shot. And you talking about the Chicago Bears here? I'm talking about the other one, the Texans, where he went low on Dustin Kelly. The Texans. I don't. I, it's hard for me to say that's just this is the labor that's a dirty hit. I think that was a, a poor decision on him, and I think that had to be because I mean we wouldn't be talking about it if Dustin Keller didn't get hurt. You know, so right, that's true. he did get hurt. Unfortunately, his knee, his knee, his foot was caught. His foot was caught in the ground, and right when the impact of the hit. And it was caused to injury, um, but I can't say that necessarily even dirty. So many other ways it could have been dirtier. I mean, because if we would have looked at, if he would have came and and led with his head and went straight to Dustin Keller's head, then we were like, oh, that was a dirty hit because he had an option yeah. and had time to be able to hit him a different way. But and let me ask you this: let me ask you this. 
you as an NFL linebacker, you, you know this more than anybody, you have a split-second decision to decide how you're going to tackle somebody. I mean, put into words and, you know, put it into context how difficult it, it is to, to have that quote-unquote perfect, unfindable hit. I'm going to tell you this. Uh, you learn how to hit when you're younger, and you spend you have to, and that's where the repetition, the repetition has to start. Repetition has to start as you're younger, how to hit, how to hit, because there's not enough time when you get to the NFL to take time out to teach people how to tackle. By this time, you should already know how to tackle. That's why you see so many different different types of tackles, because at this point, people are personalizing, and it's just the point, oh, I just got to get them down. So hopefully what is happening as a player is that you continue that, that repetition all the way up, all the way up, all the way up, if you're lucky enough to play in a professional football rank. Is, is to be able to just come natural because now at this point, when I see the guy with the ball, I'm just getting him down. And hopefully right. at that point, it's just like it comes naturally to have my head up and have my, you know, and be able to hit him in the proper technique while I'm hitting him and wrapping my arms completely around him. But that doesn't work all the time. But there are guys right. who are just throwing shoulders or just throwing a body in there just because. And it's not proper technique, no. But nobody's going to question it if they get the guy down. It's when they don't right. get the guy down, people are like, oh, that's poor tackling. Or oh, we had this many missed tackles. And that's when it's brought up in the locker room, and that's when the announcers are speaking on it. That you don't have enough time to just say, okay, this is how I'm going to hit him. This is when you go in and you right. try to hit him the proper way. And it doesn't always succeed. So you can't say, okay, let me hit him this way. Oh, I'm going to hit him that way. Let me think about you this. Look, I mean, you, you look at it and you try to say that initially, but as soon as he makes that other move, uh-oh. <laughs> now I just got to throw right. my arm out there or, or just whatever else. But initially, you coming straight for me? Yeah, of course. This is going to be a, 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 a teaching tape form tackle until he makes that joke move. And now you're like, okay, I couldn't do it exactly the way I wanted to do it. And the reality is you have guys coming at you who can run half of the field pretty much in 40 seconds. You know what I mean? Yes. So, yes. I mean, it, it's just less than, you know, so it's crazy. In four seconds, excuse me, I said 40 seconds. Four seconds. So, it's, you know, it's, right. it's, it's, it's a it's game of reaction. It's a right. game of reaction, and, and that's where preparation comes in. So, therefore, you don't have to think when you just need to react. Definitely. We're talking to former NFL linebacker Isaac Keys. And, Isaac, let's go to Michael Vick now, who won the job with the Philadelphia Eagles. No surprises here. I mean, I, I look at this offense. I'm looking at the Eagles, watch them in preseason. It looks like Michael Vick can put up some big-time numbers if he can stay healthy. How do you see Vick going into this 2013 season? Um, I'm excited. I mean, I heard you speaking earlier about, you know, people being excited to see what Chip Kelly is going to do and what kind of, you know, new tricks and plays he's going to bring to the to the league. Um, I still I don't blame Michael Vick from last season. I don't believe they protected Michael Vick properly, and I believe that was the outcome was him getting injury, injured and having some of those turnovers. Um, I mean, it was silly. Last year, speaking of last year, you could sit there and look and see that the center wasn't making the proper calls on who Mike was, and they weren't picking up blitzes. And with the plays that they were running, they were putting him in a vulnerable situation. Um, so going into this year, I know it's going to be a little some some changes, a lot of changes, and I know Michael Vick's going to pick up on it. And I think he has the mind state to be able to do so. But the biggest thing is protecting Michael Vick the best he can. I mean, unfortunately, Michael Vick is not one of those quarterbacks that can sustain a lot of pounding. He's not a Ben Roethlisberger. Right. You know, he's not that type of quarterback. 
the type of quarterback that can be elusive, they can still make plays for you, but you need to protect him. And I think whatever scheme Chuck Kelly really coming out with this year, he has to be involved with protecting Michael Vick um, because guys have always had a target on Michael Vick because of the the, 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 the special plays that he can make, how electric he is and how he can beat you with his feet just that quick. Um, Times have kind of changed, but that target I don't think has changed so much because people still remember Michael Vick for the things that he's done and and the shocking moves and shocking plays that he's made. Right. So as a player, you've always wanted to get a shot on Michael Vick when you you had an opportunity because of his elusiveness, because of some of the things he does? Always. You had to find a way to, to shut Michael Vick down. Before, it was about, okay, we're just going. We're going to contain Michael Vick. The defensive game plan was okay. Contain Michael Vick. Keep your edge rushers up the field and contain him to make him throw the ball because that was his weakness. His weakness was throwing the ball in the early, you know right. 2000 when he with Atlanta and when he started when he came on with um, Philadelphia. It was throwing the ball, but now Michael Vick has developed more accuracy. He's not running the ball as much, but he still can beat you that way. But now it's just about you know just continue to contain him. But you know you got to beat him all the way around now. And with this new right. team, a lot of defenses are going to run into the problem of not necessarily seeing it. Just like when the pistol offense came, uh, teams weren't prepared for it. Defense ends weren't prepared for it. Prepared for it. Outside linebackers were having trouble with it. Now this coming in this season, everybody's prepared for the pistol offense. So now right. Chip Kelly may be able to sneak some new um, type of schemes in there that defenses may not be prepared for. But the biggest thing is keeping them healthy. But I think in the long scheme of things, Chip Kelly did a good job preparing, preparing Nick Foles too. And, uh, you know, we'll see. Yeah, definitely. I mean, Nick Foles has played very well in the preseason, just like Michael Vick. And, and you you talked about getting hits on Michael Vick. To me, it's similar to, like, Allen Iverson. I mean, you know, Allen Iverson, you know, it was hard stopping Allen Iverson, but one of the things you wanted to do with Allen Iverson is, is hit him and, and get, you yeah, know, hit the guy. Right. Beat him up a little bit. And, and I right. think you want to do the same thing with Michael Vick, beat him up a little bit because you keep beating on him and keep beating on him, and he's only so big. Eventually, possibly, right. you can wear him down or even take him out the game. Obviously, you're not looking to purposely take him out the game, but it happens. Stuff happens. Life happens. Exactly. And, exactly. And one thing, I'm sorry to cut you off, but one thing they showed a clip of when uh, Detroit was playing um, New England Patriots, and uh, I, I don't know exactly who the it was the fan, I think, and, and he, he got in there, he got the Tom Brady late, but put pressure on him right in the end zone. And at the end of it, he still had Tom Brady's jersey, and you see him pointing at Tom Brady and just, like, talking to him. And it was like, wow, they talking to Superman. You know, like, they talking to somebody <laughs> talking trans to Tom Brady. And it was like one of the things to let, you know, let the quarterback know and let everybody know in the league, in which they showed the clip, is that, hey, I'm coming after you. I'm coming to get you because right. you're Tom Brady, first of all, and you can beat me. So if I get you, get you out of the game, then we got we stand a chance of winning. And they did. Definitely. Definitely. I want to stick with the Eagles now and the whole situation, and this happened earlier in the summer, but I want to kind of get your thoughts on Riley Cooper, uh, wide receiver for the Philadelphia Eagles, at a Kenny Chesney concert, called the security guard the N-word, and a lot of people, you know, the whole difference between A and ER. Well, he used ER, so there is no out in terms of saying he used A. So you look at that whole situation. Riley Cooper is in the locker room with Isaac Keys. Your lockers are next to each other. How do you deal with that? It's, it, this is how I looked at it, and um, as a player and seeing if I was in the locker room. If um, that means if I'm staying, if I'm in the locker room, I have some type of relationship with Roddy Cooper, whether it's a close relationship or whether we just see each other at work every day. But if he's, if he's next to me in the locker room, it's like 
it's, it's, it's to the point now, as a person, I can no longer defend the N-word in the sense of saying, hey, you can't say that because it's used so much. Now, stay with me. It's right. used so much in music. Everybody's hearing it. You're knowing other races are saying it when they sing the song or when they're not around. Now, exactly. Saying, saying that, in this situation, seeing that if I was in a playing locker room and I'm seeing him saying this, I'm honestly going to say, what you was doing? What, what's going on, right? What, what's happening? Like, I'm I'm really coming up like a just straight, you know, <laughs> no formality to how I'm talking to him. What's going on? What you doing? And, you know, depending on, his, depending on his reaction, it's going to be where it kind of escalates, you know, or mm-hmm. where it goes from there. Now, you know, of course, you know, they portrayed him being very, you know, humble by the situation and, and apologetic and showing so much remorse, which rightfully so. I think, you know, when it came out, all his teammates kind of, you know, embraced him like that. Now, there's something in that locker room that don't even know about it. Like, man, I don't really care. You know what he did. I'm, I, it may offend him. It may offend some, and if someone may just kind of wrote it off. But if we take it to outside of the league, I mean, outside of the league, guys have had marks on them and X's on them for lesser things. And actually, as a player, it makes it more exciting when I have a reason to try to knock your head off or put this hard hit on you than right. it is for me not to. Right. You know. So, and, and he just gave the whole league, every defense in the league, a reason to be able to just, you know, put the hands on them in, in their case. Definitely. Right? Extra hands, extra hands. Yeah, <laughs> extra hands. Yeah, we'll put extra hands just to kind of remind him. It's not to say we're going to try. You're not trying to hand him. You're just saying, I'm going to put my extra hands on you. There you go, Riley. Take that with you. over to the sideline. And, and here's the thing. I don't, I, I don't know if he's a racist or not a racist. I don't know if it's fair for me to say it. But when mm-hmm. I saw the video, uh, I, I thought I saw a racist. And, again, I, I don't want to say he is definitively a racist because I don't think that's fair. But mm-hmm. just doing the eye test, the eye-ear test, <laughs> I, I thought I saw a borderline racist. But I, I could be wrong, and I hope I am wrong. Well, I mean, he was racist at that moment. So, I mean. <laughs> okay. And you say that at that moment, you're safe to say, yes, you were racist at, at that moment. Now, whether you've changed and repented for your sins or whatever else, <laughs> But there's many of there's so many races that watch this game of football that would cheer Michael Vick on, anybody else on. But outside right. of that, they see a black person in the street, they make a negative comment. I just choose right. not to even put that energy into all of it. Honestly, I just, yeah, okay, is that what you did? Then you should be. Now, what I would have more concern on is is how, you know, how the league handled it in a sense. Because we got guys getting fined for homosexual slurs and, and things of that nature, which still goes into the same category as a racial slur, especially right. if you call the saying it, there's no denying it. So, right. you know, I felt like the league kind of would kind of let did some things to just kind of let it pass over. We're going to let this pass over and right. since it's so early in the season. But I felt like they could have came down maybe with a with a fine or something of that nature. Mm-hmm. I think all they did was just tell him what he had to go to um, counseling. He, he did. He did get a fine. He did get a fine um, from the Eagles. Okay. Okay. Yeah, the Eagles did fine, but the league didn't. Yeah, they did. Yeah, you're right. That. Okay. Well, then yeah, you're that, right. Man, I mean, he's gonna get. He's gonna get justice served on the football field, and that's just how the game is played. Definitely, justice will always get served on the football yeah. field. We're talking to former NFL linebacker Isaac Keys, and Isaac, you've been doing some big things with the therapist. Your web show. What's new with that? Uh-huh. 
Um, well, you know, we wrapped up season two, and that's on uh, YouTube. You can catch that under Therapist G Media. It's a YouTube channel. Again, that's Therapist, the letter G, Media. Um, that's the, the, the title for that, the YouTube channel. And, um, I mean, we've just still been getting a lot of rave reviews. We actually have an opportunity. Everybody cross their fingers, send out a couple prayers on the prayer line uh, that it may get picked up by a, a, a TV station, a channel, a new channel that's coming out and is also on DirecTV. Um, so okay. just look for that. I'll definitely call you back to make sure, you know, if that goes down, to make sure that we put that out there. Um, definitely. The therapist is, is doing well. We should continue trying to push that more and more um, with that, and I'm, I'm excited about it. I'm excited about doing that, and we may possibly end up doing a season three. Um, so, okay. you know, we're just looking to try to keep pushing the envelope on that one. And, you know, right now I am crossing my toes, so we'll, we'll see what happens. You know, i got the fingers <laughs> and the toes crossed. So. That's, that's pretty challenging to you uh, to be able to do such a thing. Man, I, so I appreciate uh, you that. You know, well, yeah, I try. I try. <laughs> <laughs> now, you, 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 you talked, to, uh, talked about earlier some of the things you may be ha- you may have go you may have, excuse me, going on with concussions and things of that nature. Talk about that. Oh, it's, it's only so much I can go into it, but um but it's just, you know, we right now I'm just gonna kinda you know around the outside. It's just working on something to be able to kinda help people feel athletes. And not just football but athletes, anybody in collision sports to be able to kinda uh to be able to feel more confident about playing their sport and also be able to keep them in the sport. And so we're working on some things um, that they can can possibly, well, I know, can do that. I'm very confident in it, but it's just because it's such a a strong market for it. But it's kind of like one of the things that people are either kind of secretly working on or have not came up with it. Just I can't give okay. full disclosure and everything, but I would definitely be back with you to talk about it later. Right. And that's just something definitely. I'm very passionate about because uh, I've experienced the concussion. I've experienced concussions. I've experienced you know hard hits, and there's so many people out there are. And right now. It's really, I really struggled by protecting our kids and getting them on the field. I was with a family the other day, and their kid was nine years old, experienced a concussion playing football. And I'm like, wow, right? That's just, you know, and so, and, you know, just talking to mom, they're like, no, my baby, yeah, he needs something. He needs that. You know, he needs something on it. Yeah, I don't care what it is or whatever. It's not just football. You have lacrosse, you got field hockey. I mean, they're right up there. Even the women's bas- women's basketball is like one of the number one sports the women have in women's sports that have concussions. And who would think? Wow. You know. Wow. So it's just it's in the market. I think we you know we have to start trying to find ways. That's why I spoke with technology, just finding ways to be able to try to help to keep the people on the field to play the games they love. Now you talked about concussions and everything. How many concussions have you had, documented or undocumented? In total, how many uh, do you think you've had? That's a good question. I have one. <laughs> I guess you can't remember. No. You're right. You're trying to test me. You can't give me a concussion test on the slide. Um, <laughs> uh, one documented, I don't know, man. If I was estimated, probably maybe three, four, maybe okay. three or four. I mean, because right. there's, there's different levels of a concussion that I didn't know. Um, until after I stopped playing. Right. Um, so there's different levels, and, you know, ultimately, you know, one is the one where you start experiencing all the symptoms, and that's the one you don't want. But, you know, every hit is, I mean, it's because it's, it's not just about one hit. It's about the impact of hits over a period of time that started affecting you. Right. And, I mean, just playing a game, I mean, I I see those those, those symptoms uh, from, you know, okay. the light, and, you know, eyes watering and short, you know, different memories and stuff like this. Just, yeah. 
I mean, but so I guess the better you know, better question: How many times have you gotten your bell rung? It had to be a lot. Uh, that, that's that's not there's no number for that one. I don't know. The question <laughs> is: How many bells have I rang? That's the question. <laughs> okay, okay. Even better. Even better. <laughs> either either way, I don't know the answer. So okay. <laughs> I don't have a number. I guess so either way. I guess those. Three, four concussions are catching up to you, I see. Oh, hey, man, I'm, I'm, like, I'm trying not to think about it. <laughs> okay, fair enough, fair enough. We saw you a few years back, um, you know, looking oh, for love. This is your favorite. Oh. This is your favorite topic <laughs> and subject right here. This is your favorite one. Look, you can't wait look, for this. <laughs> looking for love, some say in the wrong places. Some could say in the right places, but you were on TV and you were looking for love from the, the one, the only Amorosa. Obviously, it did not happen for you. Some could say fortunately, some could say unfortunately, but it didn't happen. It is what it is. Um, where did your love life stand at this point? Oh, uh, man. Uh, my love life is in a good place. It's in a good place okay. right now. Uh, and I like to say that it's in a good place. I'm in a good place in life, and uh, I'm looking to continue to. To grow, it's, it's kind of that part of time in my life that it's starting to get to a point where my father always said, you know, you, you get to a point in your life as a man, you feel like you did everything. <laughs> you, you, okay. you know, you kind of done everything. There's always going to be a few things you have not, but I'm at that point, like I often say, that I'm looking to live for uh, more than just myself. So we'll see. Okay. But right now, I'm in, I'm in a good place. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Specify a good place. <laughs> <laughs> You can sit down and you can feel comfortable <laughs> about where you're sitting okay. at. And, uh, and, I, feel like, uh, <laughs> I feel like I'm in a good place. You know, I'm married to my wife seven years. Right. You know, I feel like I feel like I'm in a good place. So I, you know, yeah. I just specify a good place. So what is a good place okay, for well, you? I'm not married, so my good place is a little different than yours. <laughs> and okay. I, I don't have any kids. Um, so the specification of my good place is that when I'm sitting there, you know, the game is on, I got a cold beer in my hand, and I'm just comfortable. Okay. <laughs> comfortable. But where I'm sitting right, there, right, and, and right, right, it might right. be somebody sitting next to me. <laughs> okay, okay. One, one or two. I keep you on your toes. One or two? Yeah. Oh, one, one, one. Okay, okay. One. <laughs> just can't get a straight <laughs> again. Look. Fair enough. Fair enough. Fair enough. Life is good. We we talked about the therapist. We talked about your possible new technology you may have coming with the concussions and everything. What else is going on with Isaac Keys? Oh man, um, you know, I'm just there's a, there's a few irons in the fire, a lot of different things, man, and I'm just kind of waiting to try to see him come to fruition. I mean, I've said before, you know, I'm building relationships, and I always I say I always believe in building relationships and letting them manifest because you just never know when they are going to do such. Um, so right now it's just like I said, the technology, the concussion things, and um, doing work on that. Um, have a commercial running on in, 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 on the for a marathon that's been running for a while in St. Louis and Chicago and some of the East Coast. Okay. And just continue to work that side too as well. Um, my passion is still loving to entertain, uh, acting okay. and and hosting. Um, probably be moving. I'm doing some things with the NFLPA on some of the things, just kind of helping um, you know transition from players to other things and dealing with just some character issues and stuff too. So I look forward to that and probably relaying that to acting and acting, doing skits and stuff. So we're, we're going to see, man. It's just, it's a lot of things out there and I'm trying to put my hands on them 
as we talked about earlier, put my put my hands on them and and just working, Definitely. you know, really working and yeah. continue to move on in life. So, so yeah. where can fans find information about some of the great things Isaac Keys has going on? Well, I keep it I keep it simple as always, you know. You know, keep it simple. As you can always find anything that I'm doing uh, um, on Facebook is Isaac Keys, uh, Twitter's Isaac Keys. Everything my website is IsaacKeys.com. You know, I was fortunate enough to go ahead and brand Isaac Keys. So that there it is. Instagram Isaac Keys. So when you find me, Isaac Keys. That's where you'll find me. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So fans, check them out. Instagram Isaac Keys. Twitter Isaac Keys. Facebook Isaac Keys. Check this man out. And even IsaacKeys.com. I forgot about that as well. Right. So you, that, you, you got all these right things. <laughs> and they yeah. just, <laughs> Isaac, pleasure having you on, man, as always. Wish you nothing but the best of luck with all that you do. And as always, look forward to having you back. Man, every time I, when I get the call from you guys to say, hey, are you looking forward to come? Are you coming to the show such as day? I get excited every time. So I always appreciate you all thinking about me and inviting me on the show. And we always have the best of conversations about everything, from the whole range of things. So thank you. And I appreciate it to all the fans out there. Keep watching this show. I'm telling you, he's coming with it. My man, let's go. Let's get it. Sounds good. Appreciate it, man. All right, bro. Isaac Keys, former NFL linebacker, getting it done on, got it done on the field, getting it done off the field, doing some big, big things. I tried to tried to trap him down. Tried to. He said he's comfortable. He says he's in a good place right now. I tried to you know, specify what a good place is for him, he wouldn't go there. So we wish Isaac nothing but the best of luck moving forward and all. As always, we look forward to having him back. We talked to one of the guys, we talked to one of the guys, and, uh, not Andy, Isaac Keys, who who's one of the real guys out there. Now we're, we're going to a fraud, and that is Ryan Braun. Ryan Braun came out, and he apologized this week. He he had a statement this week, and he apologized for his actions. Um, let me read some of his statement. I want to go to the point in the middle of his statement where he talked about how he started uh, using performance-enhancing drugs. And he writes in his statement, here is, how, here is what happened. During the latter part of the 2011 season, I, meeting Ryan, Ryan Braun, was dealing with a nagging injury, and I turned to products for a short period of time that I shouldn't have used. The products were a cream and a lozenge, which I was told could help expedite my rehab. It was a huge mistake for which I am deeply ashamed, and I compounded the situation by not admitting my mistakes immediately. You know what? It kind of goes down to what your mama used to always tell you, your daddy used to always tell you. You know what? A lie turns into lies after lies after lies because you have to cover the initial lie. And that's essentially what Ryan Braun did. I mean, February 25th, 2012, I, Ryan Braun stepped to the podium and he said this. If I had done this intentionally or unintentionally, I'd be the first one to step up and say, I did it. By no means am I perfect, but if I've ever made any mistakes in my life, I've taken responsibility for my actions. I truly believe in my heart, and I would bet my life that this substance Never enter my body at any point. There you go. Those were his comments on that fateful day in February. And you know what? 
when you come to the podium like that, and obviously we just heard the audio, but if you look at the video, he sounded so convincing. I was almost convinced. I was almost convinced at the time. He sounded, and a lot of people were convinced. You hear a lot of people coming out, Oral Hershiser. I heard him say, former pitcher for the Dodgers, I heard him come out and say, you know what, Ryan Braun talked to me about this, and I was convinced that he was innocent, that he didn't take performance-enhancing drugs. So this guy was very, very convincing. And then you have reports coming out that, you know, Ryan Braun is talking to other MLB players about, you know, the collector being a possible anti-Semite. Ryan Braun is, a, is, uh, is Jewish, and they're saying, you know what, Ryan Braun is talking to players, according to some reports, and saying, you know what, this guy, the collector, is an anti-Semite. So now you are sullying the name of the collector. You're sullying his name. You're, you're throwing his name through and through the mud. All to protect the lie. This is so Lance Armstrong-like, where you would do any and all things to protect your name. You would trample any and any, every and anybody to protect your name. Now, now, Ryan Braun said the products that he used were a cream and a lozenge, which he said, and he was told, could help expedite his rehab. Did it do that? Possibly. I guess it did because he had a tremendous season. But, but, you need to know what's going into your body. You need to know what's going into your body, whether it's legal or illegal. You need to know that. I heard Bernard Hopkins say, uh, say something back in uh, many months ago, a few months ago, and it's so perfect here. I wanted to get the audio. We couldn't get the audio, but I'll read everything that he said. Quote, everybody knows what they're taking. We're grown men. When somebody gives you something and says, take this, and you don't question it, you should take full responsibility. Bernard Hopkins went on to say, no grown man should be able to say that the only reason I had this in my system is somebody gave me something to eat. Well, if somebody can give you something that you don't know what you're taking, then somebody can poison you. Somebody can kill you. Are you a bleeping idiot? Those were the words of Bernard Hopkins. He's so right. He is so right. So right. And because of it, because of it, and so because of it, you look at it, I mean, he's so right. If you don't know what somebody's giving you, that lozenge that somebody gave you to expedite and speed up your rehab could be poison. That cream that you're rubbing on your body could deteriorate your skin, could mess your skin up. You don't know what you're putting on your body. You don't just say rub anything on your body. You just don't put anything in your mouth. doesn't sound right. He's a grown man. He's a grown man. And he lied. And he kept the lie alive. He kept the lie alive. And unfortunately, unfortunately, 
unfortunately, because of it. He toppled people in the process. He toppled people in the process. And so I look at this whole situation. I I, I, I just look at this whole situation. And, yes, this is a start. This is a, a start in the right direction for Ryan Braun. You know, maybe at some point he'll sit down with Oprah, sit down with, with Stephen A. Smith. Maybe he'll sit down with me, Paul Gant. But sit down with somebody and tell your story in a way that, you know, some people can ask questions and really probe what happened, why you did what you did, why you decided to take performance-enhancing drugs. You said it was to speed up a rehab. It was to expedite rehab. It was to help with nagging injuries. I'm just, you know, he did apologize to the collector. Let me read that part of the statement. Quote, I sincerely apologize to everybody involved in the arbitration process, including the collector, Dino Lorenzi, Jr. I feel terrible that I put my teammates in a position where they were asked some very difficult and uncomfortable questions. One of my primary goals is to make amends with this. So the reality is, I'll say this, he has an opportunity now to make amends. And that is the beauty of the country that we live in, the opportunity of second chances, the opportunity to make amends for some of the things that people say, do, and and, and in this life. I mean, because none of us are perfect. And let's be clear about that. None of of us are perfect people. Ryan Braun, the mistake that he made, the mistake that he made obviously was taking performance-enhancing drugs, but to me the bigger mistake was doing what he had to do to protect it. And, and, and toppling over people in a process, toppling a Dino Lorenzi Jr., a collector, doing whatever you have to do to convince not only everybody else, but in a lot of ways convince yourself that you did not take performance-enhancing drugs. Convince everybody, including yourself. And he talks about that in the statement, quote, I deeply regret Deeply regret, excuse me, many of the things I said at the press conference after Arbiter's decision in February of 2012. At that time, I still didn't want to believe that I had used a banned substance. I think a combination of feeling self-righteous and having a lot of unjustified anger led me to react the way I did. I felt wrong and attacked, but looking back now, I was the one who was wrong. I am beyond embarrassed. I said what I said and needed to say to defend my clouded vision of reality. I am just starting the process of trying to understand why I responded the way I did, which I continue to regret. There is no excuse for any of this. I'm okay with this start. This is a start. This is truly, truly a start. And I'm okay with that. And I, I think it's, it's a great thing to, to apologize. Apologies are beautiful, but there are steps within this process, and I think the next step is sitting down with somebody in a question-and-answer type of forum where true answers can come, where, where, where we can get the full story, almost like a cross-examination. 
He just gave a direct examination, essentially, with his statement. Now it's time for Ryan Braun to be cross-examined so we can deeply figure out what happened. What happened? Sad story, I think, from the, from the point of view that he did whatever he had to do to hide it, and he toppled whoever he needed to topple to hide it. And that's the thing. We, you, you don't want to compound mistakes with more mistakes, and you just make it worse for for yourself and everybody around you. Sad. It, it really is sad. But I'm glad at this point he is taking steps, taking steps now to rectify the situation. It's time to take steps to rectify the situation. And I think it's very important that, you know, this is step number one, I believe. You know, and and hopefully step number two will be a question and answer forum with somebody. Would like it to be myself, but with someone, somebody. And with the hope, obviously, that everybody can, can learn from this, move on from this, and everybody involved can become better people. And sad, you know, because he ruined a man's reputation, Dino Lorenzi. He ruined his reputation, sullied his name. Sullied his name. And, you know, he's one of the little guys involved in this. And he trampled who he needed to trample. He trampled who he needed to trample. And essentially, he, you know, it's, it's just, it's a sad situation, I think, and from the standpoint of just not what he did in terms of performance enhancing drugs. I mean, it is just sports. It is just baseball. But the thing of, the, when you start messing with the livelihood of other people involved because you want to do what you felt you needed to do to expedite your 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 recovery. To me, you know, I have you know I have a problem with that. And I think Ryan Braun hopefully will make amends and do what he has to do to to restore the name of Dino Lorenzi Junior. We'll see what happens. Dallas Rodriguez and Ryan Dempster. We saw that Last week, uh, last Sunday night, and Dempster did his darnness to hit Alex Rodriguez. Missed once, missed twice, got him a third time finally. And I look at it now, and you know, Dempster was suspended, but he's not. It's really not a big time situation. Suspended five games. He's only a pitcher, so it's not like he plays every day anyway. It's it just not like he plays every day anyway. But I look at the whole situation, and I look at it, and I almost felt I felt bad for Alex Rodriguez. To me, he became a sympathetic figure. I mean, it's not like, you know, Ryan Dempster. You know, the thing about it is the union has done what they had to do to protect Alex Rodriguez and his players. So the union... You know, the, the process of the union and going to arbitration and things of that nature, filing appeals, doing all those things that people do with unions and everything, 
Well, Ryan Dempsey is a part of the union, and the reality is his job and everybody's job and the union's job is to protect the best interests of the player. It's, it is what it is. Ryan Dempster and the players voted on a, a collective bargaining agreement. Uh, they voted on all these type of things, and they voted on it with the, with the hope and union, the unions in place to protect its players. So if you have a problem with Alex Rodriguez, you should have a problem with everybody involved in the union, and that would be every single player in Major League Baseball. Alex Rodriguez is just going through the process. The other guys involved in this decided they didn't want to go through the process. A-Rod is going through the process. So with A-Rod going through the process, we can't. you're throwing the baseball at him trying to get a level of justice. I call it street justice if you want to, to be honest about it. I mean, he is throwing a ball 90, 80 to 90 plus miles per hour, and you're throwing it at somebody. That's street justice in some respect, in some respect. Obviously, it happens in the game of baseball where, where players throw at each other from time to time to prove a point or, or to make a point. And I look at it, I look at it, and I say to myself, you know what? You cannot be mad at Alex Rodriguez because he is fighting his drug suspension, his performance-enhancing drugs suspension. You can't be mad at a guy who's fighting his suspension. He believes that he's right. You know he's probably wrong, but he believes that he's right. And you, as a member of the union, who collectively bargained with that whole situation, you... You, as a member of the union, as a member of the union, your job is to protect the best interests of the players. That's your job. That is your job, to protect the best interests of the players. And Alex Rodriguez is a player. Ryan Dempster is a part of the union. And if he's mad at anybody, Dempster should throw the ball at everybody. Because everybody is, is a part of why Alex Rodriguez is still playing, because everybody is a part of the union. So, I kind of feel bad for A-Rod. I really do. I really do. I really felt bad for Alex Rodriguez. I really do. And not too bad. Not too bad, obviously, but bad enough where, you know, he became somewhat of a sympathetic figure, and ultimately he would have hit a home run in that game, and ultimately the Yankees would go on to win that game. When you're in a pennant race like the the, the Red Sox are, you can't be messing around with games and, and throwing at people to make a point. You know, you can't be doing that. You can't be doing that. And that's what essentially Ryan Dempster did. I mean, you don't do that. You don't do that. You don't do that. It's an unfortunate situation. Unfortunate situation. And, you know, you wish... I mean, obviously Alex Rodriguez probably should not be playing right now, but it's the system that's in place. It is what it is. 
he should not be playing right now. He should not. He should not. But he is. And that's the reality of the situation. He is. So don't be mad at him. Don't. It, it goes back to a wise old saying. Don't hate the player. Hate the game. Don't hate the player. Hate the game. And as far as I'm concerned, Ryan Dempster's hating the player and Alex Rodriguez. When in fact, when in fact, he should be hating the game. Don't hate the player. Hate the game. Alex Rodriguez is doing nothing wrong by fighting his suspension. Agree with it, disagree with it. Guilty or not guilty, it is his right as a member of the union in Major League Players Union in Major League Baseball. The second hour of Go For It starts right now. Second hour of Go For It, started right now in this hour, expected to be joined by one of the stars of Lee Daniels, the butler, David Banner, and rapper, actor David Banner. We're going to talk to him about the big-time movie. David, you know, is, is doing some big things in Hollywood, do, did some big things in the rap, rap world and continuing to do big things in the rap world, and he's doing some big things in Hollywood. So we're going to talk to David about some of the happenings with the butler and some of the things he has going on. Musically, also in this hour, we're going to be joined by NFL free agent William Hollis. And William, as I said earlier, has a tremendous story. You want to stick around for that story, Willis. And William, you know, tells a great story and has a great story. And he's fighting to get into the National Football League. To get, he's fighting to play football on a professional level, whether it's in the NFL, CFL, what have you. He's looking to play football on the next level. So we're going to talk to William Hollis in this hour and also David Banner. I want to go to the world of basketball. Allen Iverson. Allen Iverson now has and is set to to retire. He is set, according to reports, to officially retire. And this is this is a guy who is near and dear to my heart. You know, I never met the guy. I don't know him. But this guy is near and dear to my heart for for a lot of reasons, but mainly because I'm a lifelong Philadelphia 76ers fan. And I grew up watching Allen Iverson. I actually was in college when he was really doing his thing in his heyday. You know, and I was in college, and, you know, Allen Iverson was was somebody that, to me, was a special player. And he's a first ballot Hall of Famer, no doubt about that, and he is a special player. The things that he did on that basketball court amazed many and all of us. And this guy now, his career unfortunately is ending in a way that is kind of sad. I mean, he deserved, I don't know know if deserve is the right word, but I felt like this could have ended better. It really could have ended better. I mean, the whole situation is really not ending his career on his own terms. And sometimes in life, we real, no matter what you do, no matter how great you are, there's sometimes in life where you just can't end things on your own terms. 
And that is the thing with Allen Iverson, in my opinion. He is not ending his career on his own terms. And to me, that's sad. And it is sad because of how great he truly was. That is sad. But it is life. And life, like I said, you can't always end things the way you want to end things. That's just the reality of the situation. I would love to end things all the time the way I want to end things. I would love to do that. But it's just not possible. It's just not life. It is what it is. But you look at Allen Iverson and you look at what's going on and how, you know, now he's, according to reports, he's really set to retire. It's sad. I mean, it's just a sad way to end the career, uh, such a great career. I mean, he had a tremendous career. I mean, the numbers that he put up, the, the things that he accomplished at his size, going to winning the MVP in 2001, going to the 2001 NBA Finals, beating the Lakers, a team that lost. That was the only time they lost in the playoffs was to the Philadelphia 76ers in the NBA Finals, doing all that. And he, he, he came from nothing. He made himself into something. And, you know, obviously over the years he's been having some issues, some with alcohol, you know, issues with his wife, things of that nature. I mean, the judge said what? One of the worst parents he's ever seen. I mean, it, it's just an unfortunate situation. The way this is all ended for Allen Iverson. But you know what? The, the beauty of life, as I said before, is the beauty of second chances. The beauty to have another opportunity to change your circumstance. He has some money set aside, some Reebok money set aside, roughly thirty some odd million dollars that he can touch at some point. Can't touch it now, but he can touch it at some point. So. Financially, he can be okay. My concern for Allen Iverson is in terms of him and just the off the court and, and just him and just living his life and overcoming possibly some of the demons that he's dealing with. According to reports, alcohol is one of those big demons that he's dealing with. You want him and hope that he can overcome all of these things. This guy was great. In the NBA, I mean, the things that he did, the points that he put up, the numbers that he put up, the way he won, you know, it was just, it was great. And, again, I don't, I, I never wanted to see Allen Iverson go out this way. I never did. And the thing about it is this. I, I, I've always talked about this, but Allen Iverson falls under the T.O., the, the, the Ocho Cinco, the, the, that, that category. Guys who... In a lot of ways, guys who did, you know, guys who lived in a way that, you know, a lot of teams didn't want to deal with. But the reality is that Ocho Cinco was productive, T.O. was productive. But the moment that those guys became unproductive is the moment that people really were done with them. And that's essentially what happened with Allen Iverson. That's essentially what happened. It's happening with Ocho Cinco and T.O. The moment that these guys are, don't have the same talent that they had Many moons ago is the moment that teams are saying, you know what, I don't want to deal with that. I don't have to deal with that, and I'm not going to deal with that. And that's the thing. That is the thing that is going on with Allen Iverson. People don't want to deal with that. Teams don't want to deal with what comes with Allen Iverson. Teams do not want to deal with that. It's an unfortunate situation, but it is what it is. When we come back, we're going to be joined by one of the stars of the Butler David Banner, you're listening to Go For The Block Talk Radio.
on Welcome to Go For It, Donald Faison. Your Knicks have the best chance out east, though. I will say that. The Knicks have the best chance in the Eastern Conference to beat the Miami Heat. And the Knicks have had some success against the Miami Heat in the regular season, but... That doesn't mean anything in the playoffs, time. When the playoffs come, it doesn't mean anything. I was trying to throw you a bone, man. I was trying to get your hopes up. Come on, man. I'm a realist, (laughs) too, man. (laughs) Actor Robbie Jones. Well, we know that, you know, we know that you can tempt married women. We've seen you you have a pedigree. (laughs) We see what you can do. We've seen it. (laughs) I would never bring my wife around, too. I yeah, just don't know what you're capable of. Come on now. Come on now. That's all right. That's not Roxy. That's called brother. All right. Sounds good. Thank you so much. You're Thank- very, very good at your job. Thank you, sir. Make it fun. You really do. <laughs> so- okay. Hey, what up? It's Corey Almeida, a.k.a. Corey Live, host of Picturica on the Hub and warm-up host for American Idol and Dancing with the Stars. And right now, you are listening to Go For It on Blog Talk Radio with my man, Pauly G and Jeremy. Get it! And we're back. We're going to bring in a guy who's doing some big things right now, Lee Daniels, the butler, putting up some big-time numbers at the theaters, $25 million dollars. In its first week, I mean, big-time numbers, and this guy is doing big-time things. Let's bring him in now, actor, rapper, and one of the stars of Lee Daniels, the butler, the one, the only, David Banner. David, how are you, man? Yeah, man, I'm better than I've ever been in my life, man. I'm amazed. And you should be amazed because the butler, there's a big-time buzz around this movie. $25 million in the first week. How you feeling about the buzz, man? And man, I'm feeling really good, man, and I'm I'm happy to be a part of it, man. Especially with it being the type of film that it is, and for it to to begin the accolades that it's getting, and for it to have the buzz that it's having on the streets, man, is is, is an amazing right. thing, you know, for me. Right, and, and that's the thing. The funny part is, man, I'm, I I sign on to my Facebook account, sign on to my Twitter account, and everybody's talking, man. I got to go see the Butler. I got to go see the Butler. So you're right. It's really, really, people are really talking about it in the streets. Yeah, and, and I think also, man, I mean, whether people would like to admit it or not, you know, with, with us being, you know, so bombarded with information in our own little sections, whether it's in the Internet, whether it's, you know, at work or whatever, you know, our subsections in life that we live in, you know, there's so many things that that are happening socially you know, that a lot of people are scared to talk about. And I think the butler came at a, at, at a very good time, especially, you know, with the Zimmerman trial and with, right. you know, all of the things that are happening with our voting rights. It's just like, you know, when when we, we, when, when Lee Dennis was speaking just recently, he said, you know, it was never really uh, meant to, 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 to focus on those things, but it just you know, came at, it was just serendipity that, you know, the movie came out right at this time in history where some of these things needed to be addressed and talked about. So I think that was real cool, too. And and I was reading, man, that initially you were a little hesitant about this role. Tell us why. Well, I mean, I think I'm at a point in, in, in my career where you know, I just think as a black man that I've, I've I think I've, I've I've taken a 
I've done enough on the rap side. You know, I think I've taken a lot of shorts just on the rap side. Now I'm 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 I'm, I'm older as a man. There's just certain things that I want my brand to represent now. Okay. You know, okay. and I, I think you know we have we have we have set in so much into capitalism. Like really, really, a lot of men don't really care about what they do as long as they get paid. And my father didn't raise me like that. You know, yeah. and I sort of had to check myself as a person and sort of take that Hollywood light light off. You know, you start looking at the lights and the money and the glamour and TV and all that kind of stuff, and you get enthralled. And yeah. I, I just wasn't made from that. I'm from Mississippi, and my father raised me a certain way. So I just stepped back for a minute and said, like, I want to be one of the people that, regardless of how much work or how little work I get, that kids can look up at me and say, okay, that's what I want to be. Or little girls can look at me and say, well, that's what I would want my father to be like, or that's what I would want my husband to be like when I grow right. up. So I was looking at Hollywood. If you really look at it, man, you got your Django's, you got your help, you got all these, you know, Lincoln, you got all of these you know, movies that's making America real comfortable with saying the N-word and, you know, they're mm -hmm. really, really focusing mm -hmm. on slavery and, and, you know, these subservient positions as far as black people are concerned with no solutions. It's like right. people are making these films, but I, I don't see the after effect. And I don't see, you know, too many films with black people playing the, the leading roles and they're, they're the heroes and, they're the, you know, they're the superheroes. You know, you got your exceptions. Will Smith, you know, but Will is an anomaly, you know? Right. So right. I was like, man, I don't know if I want to be a part of that. Or, you know, the, the fans that I do have, I don't think that I want to be, I want to push in that direction. But when I read the script for the butler, I mean, regardless, everybody out there, go see the butler, and I want you to form your own opinion. Because if you really look at it, he was a revolutionary. If you saw the movie, I don't, I don't want to give too much away, but... You know, by the end of the movie, it really didn't have anything to do with him being a butler. And I saw right. that in reading the script, and I said, you know, no matter how big or small my part, how big or small my part may be, I want to be a part of getting this dialogue started. And, and the thing about this movie, it, like you said, it is the ultimate starter from the bottom. Now we're here at type of story. I mean, I yeah. can hear it in your voice how much you are inspired by this film, but put into words how inspired you really are about this film. All right, let me, let me tell you a story. Now, this is this this is true story. This is crazy. Now, what people know in the type of person that I am, and I'm, I'm really uh, I'm really activated at you know as it pertains to African American history and just our struggle here in America. And uh, I'm from Mississippi, so like. I, you know, when we shot my scene, we were on a real-life plantation. Like not, I mean, we were in a real-life cotton field. This wasn't mm. no Hollywood made-up set. I mean, this is real-life cotton. I mean, we out there for real. The sun that you see, it was real sun. It was hot as hell. <laughs> and it was really hard for me as, as, as a man to be out there, man. And for a minute, I'm, I'm just going to be honest with you, I wanted to leave, bruh. You know, because I was thinking about the history. I was thinking about my great-grandparents. And then a thought came to me, bruh. My great-grandparents couldn't leave. Right. And right. when people say, you know, they, when they ask me, what did I draw from? And, and, and what, like, because everybody's talking about how pivotal 
how pivotal that how pivotal that point was in the movie. And it was like, man, what did you draw from? It was that one right. moment, bro. And I'll never forget that. And I sort of settled in and said, okay, all right, this is where I need to be. And that's one of the reasons why I'm so excited about it, because I even had a friend girl who took her daughter to go see the film, and her daughter asked her mom, like, you know, mom, like, why do white people hate black folks so much? And even that conversation between a child and a mother and she really had to sit back and tell her daughter, hold on a minute, let me, <laughs> let me sit down and I'm going to tell my, my child it. You know, and, right. and, and, and even those conversations and conversations between white and black people, a lot of conversations that, you know, we, a lot of people felt like, you know, needed to be swept to the side. I think this film is going to help bring back up some of those conversations so we can at least talk about it. And that's the beauty of this film, I think. I mean, the I think it's always, like you said, to your point, man, I think it's always important for us to talk about stuff. Whether you agree, whether you disagree, the importance is just talk about it, and maybe we can come to some kind of common agreement here. Maybe, maybe not, but let's just talk. And I think what you're saying, man, is... Let me tell you something else, too. If if you had a chance to see it, I don't know if you had a chance to see it or not, but the movie, and I was really surprised about this, because if, if you saw how the film was structured... Like, there were different actors in different time periods, so a lot of the actors didn't get a chance to co-mingle until the movie actually came out. But the movie was funny, too. I've never really seen a film that was able to pull it off that way, to be able to to intertwine some comedy or some comedic relief without washing the film down. Like, you still had the seriousness of the film, but... I was in the I was in the movie laughing too, you know. I was like, well, that was pretty cool. <laughs> and and do you think he purposely did that, Lee Daniels? Well, Lee Daniels is 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 a very special person within himself. Like I've never really met anybody who 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 has the duality that he has. You know, he has this this serious drive and this uh, amazing vision. But he's able to still relate with people on a common level. You know, I, I, don't, okay. I don't know if you know what I mean. It's like a lot of people who who who, who, who has as much talent as Lee has, right. they're real spacey. And it's hard okay. for them to re, uh, relate to the everyday person. I mean, it may be a little bit different with me because I'm a little crazy too. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, he was able to relate. And so I think that... You know, Lee has gone through a lot personally himself, so he's able to pull that back and find a way to allow people to laugh for a minute before he's able to prove his next point. And I think that's one of the reasons why people continuously talk about this film, because, you know, people behind me were laughing one minute, and they were crying, <laughs> and then they were mad, and they were happy, and then they were clapping. And, and I mean people of all races, like, regardless of what, you know, the truth is the truth. And I think the the blatant honesty of this film is, is, is what's helping people continue to go to the movies. We're talking to rapper, actor, one of the stars of Lee Daniels, the butler, David Banner. And David, you talked about th- throughout the course of this film the crying and the and the and the laughing. And I, your part earlier in the movie, and I don't want to tell all of it, but your situation where you obviously were on the cotton cotton fields and everything. That scene. What, what did you cry when you saw that scene again? Um, uh, no, I was, I mean, you have to understand as, as an actor, I'm constantly critiquing uh, my okay. performance. 
and seeing okay. how, as an actor, I can take my myself to the next level. And like, I'll give you an example. Uh, I put a rock in my shoe um, because I, I was told that when uh, Donna Ross, um, when Donna Ross shot Sparkle. She, I think it was Sparkle, I'm not quite sure, I forget, but they said she put an orange in between her leg to give her, like, a limp, you know, okay. so she can constantly feel that. I had a rock in my shoe the whole time to give me this limp so I could feel that pain and not, you know, uh, artificially inseminate, you know, that limp. And I, I can remember all of the small things I did to prepare for the film. And so I was really looking to make sure you know, that I, I performed well. So it took me a minute to really get into it as a person. And plus, I already knew it was going to happen. You know, right. so for okay. me, I was just trying to make sure that I did my job as as an actor. And it's really hard for me to get, get, get past that, me, past me critiquing myself. Because I honestly, I want to be, I, I, I be, I want to be one of the greatest, you know, actors right. ever. I'm not doing this just for a check. I'm not doing this just, for opportunity, you know, to have a new another revenue stream, and I'm thankful for that revenue stream. But what I'm realizing as an artist that I'm getting back to, you make and generate more money with something that you care and you are emotional about. Mm -hmm. Right. And I'm right. emotional about acting, and 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 I found that I think that I can even help change the minds of our children if they can see things on the screen. So whereas I can rap about what happened to our parents. But if kids ain't never seen that, they really can't relate to it. But if you can right. see it on the screen and hear it, I think you're able to translate those feelings to kids a little bit more. So me, when Definitely. I was looking at the film, brother, to be honest with you, I was just like, damn, did I, did I smash it? Did I smash it? Did I smash it? <laughs> right, right, and I'm right. looking to see other people's, other people's reaction. But I think the thing for me that meant the most is when a lot of people were telling me, like, David, we didn't even know that you were in the film. Wow. And that's the biggest compliment to me because that meant that people were, they were into the role. And they, okay. they were not into the fact that it was David Banner or was whoever may have played that role. They was like, damn, that was you? Man, I was, I was crying and I was so upset. I ain't even peeped that. And, and those right. types of things are the things that I'm looking for from an artistic perspective. And anyway, you're, you're David Banner. You can't tell the world that you cried anyway, right? <laughs> Hey, let me tell you something, bro. I'm so big, bro, and I'm I, I'm I'm so good with these things. I'm pretty, you know. I'm all right, you know, with my with my hands and my feet. I'm decent. So I'm okay. in a place in my career as a man. I can say I cried, and if somebody got something to say about it, I can literally make them cry too. Okay. All right. All right. <laughs> Makes sense. Makes a lot. <laughs> I don't really Makes a lot of sense. If I cried, I'd have told you I cried. It would be cool. Okay. Me. I'm okay. all right. You've been in the gym. You've been in the gym a lot lately too. I mean, you are a pretty big dude right now. So uh, you know, you, you make a fair point. I mean, <laughs> and you, yeah, man, you know, I, I can have those moments now and get away with them, brother. It's okay. Right, I'm definitely. a pretty tall dude, man. I'm not. I'm not the average. You you are you know, you are a little bigger than your average. Definitely. And actually, we lost David David Banner. We're going to try to get him back in, uh, but we did lose him. Um, great interview so far. I mean, David Banner, uh, you know, definitely has a story to tell in terms of what's going on with this movie and everything. And he, he's a guy that's uh, you know honed his craft and has done a lot, done a lot to to get himself in a position where he is 
rapping and acting and, and getting the paycheck off of it. And that's the that's what this life is all about. Getting the paycheck off of what you do and, and what you are doing and, and that's what David Banner is doing, but we're gonna try to get him back. We just lost him. Uh, we're trying to get him back. See if we can't get him back, but uh must be a bad sell for him. But we'll try to get him back. But uh Lee, you know, Lee Daniels the 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 Butler is a big time film right now and a lot of people are talking about it. a lot of people are, are raving, and obviously they are because we 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 see the kind of money that it is raking in. We twenty five million. We we see that. We've seen that. So you know this is obviously a big time situation right now for David Banner, Lee Daniels, and and everybody involved with the Butler. Hopefully we can get him back. Hopefully we can get him back. It was a great interview talking to him and getting his thoughts on what's going on with that great great movie. And um. Let's let's go to break now so we we can't get him back. You're listening to Go For It on Blog Talk Radio. Hello and welcome to Go For It, Donald Faison. Your Knicks have the best chance out east, though. I will say that. The Knicks have the best chance in the Eastern Conference to beat the Miami Heat. And the Knicks have had some success against the Miami Heat in the regular season, but... That doesn't mean see anything in the playoffs, time. When the playoffs come, <laughs> it doesn't mean anything. I was trying to throw uh, you. you know I was trying to throw you a bone, man. I was trying to get your nah. your hopes up. Come on, man. I'm a realist <laughs> too, man. <laughs> Actor Robbie Jones. Well, we know that you know. We know that you can tempt married women. We've seen you. You, you have a pedigree. We see what you can do. We've seen it. I would never bring my wife around you. I just don't know what you're capable of. Come on now. Come on now. That's all That's not Rocky. That's called brother. All right. Sounds good. Thank you so much. You're very, very good at your job. Thank you, sir. Make it fun. You really do. Hello and welcome to Go For It, Donald Faison. Your Knicks have the best chance out east, though. I will say that. The Knicks have the best chance in the Eastern Conference to beat the Miami Heat. And the Knicks have had some success against the Miami Heat in the regular season, but... That doesn't mean see anything in the playoffs, time. When the playoffs come, <laughs> it doesn't mean anything. I was, uh, to throw you, you know I was trying to throw you a bone, man. I was trying to get your, nah. your hopes up. Come on, man. I'm a realist, <laughs> too, man. <laughs> Actor Robbie Jones. Well, we know that you know. We know that you can. All right, we get, we have David Banner back on. Let's bring you back in, David. All right. Hey, I want you to do me a favor, bro. Go ahead. Hello. Yeah, I'm, I'm listening. I'm back on. Yep, we're back on. Hey, my mom. Hello. How are you? Hey, how are you? Good, good. How you doing? You, you did a good job I'm with your son there. Wonderful. Now my my child just walked in the door. Oh, that's a great thing. That's always a great thing. <laughs> you wouldn't expect that, <laughs> were you? Nah. Oh, I wasn't. Oh, you threw a remix. Oh, oh. You threw a remix on me. All I know is stuff anybody ever did before. Like, I don't know what to say to the rapper's mother. (laughs) (laughs) Real thug, get down on the floor. Oh, oh, she's off there. I was going to sing the song to her. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, man. Well, go ahead. All right. We we, we talked about it, man. You you made uh, the transition from rapping to acting. And, 
you know, you talked about it. You know, you're not you're one of these guys who really done big things or doing big things to hone your craft. I mean, talk about some of the things that you have done over the years to become a better actor. Well, well the thing is, this is something that I want to talk about overall, man. Uh, that's one of the few criticisms that I have about rap music. And, um, you know, rap music is one of the few things that uh, that you don't have to know how to do what it's called in order to be successful at it. Like, you can't play football without knowing how to do some some aspect of football. You know what I'm okay. saying? Whether it's run, okay. kick, basketball, you have to be able to do something with, you know, Dennis Rodman wasn't the greatest, you know, shooter, but wasn't nobody going to get a rebound or, or, over him. Right. And, you know, he there were not too many people who ever got back and forth down the court like this man did. So, like, the thing that people don't understand with me and acting is I, you know, Right after Like a Pimp came out, I started going to acting school in L.A. So where okay. a lot of my friends were partying and having fun and spending money on other things, I was literally flying. The first year of my career, I flew to L.A. every week, you know, on my own time to go to acting school. So, like, wow. you know, when people see this evolution, you know, people don't notice that I, The Butler was my 14th film. You know, I was very choosy about the things that I picked for the most part. You know, I did a lot of very good independent films with some very good actors. I mean, I've been in movies with from Oprah Winfrey to Al Pacino. This is my second movie with Forrest Whitaker. Um, okay. You know, Adrian Brody, you know, Samuel L. Jackson. You know, and people didn't notice. Like, I, I really picked the films that I did to be around some of the greatest actors to learn from. You know, a lot of right. people don't know. I, I I picked up tips from everybody. One of the best things I ever learned was from Idris Elba, you know, and I'm so proud of, you know, the things that he's doing. But, you know, as, as far as me, as I practice on my craft. That is something that I take serious and I study. And I study and I go to school. So when people see the evolution of David Banner, one thing that I want people to know is that's training. You know, that's no different Definitely. than a football player, a basketball player, a baseball player. I work at my craft. And, and, it it, and it doesn't hurt that I'm extremely attractive. You know, I just can't help that. My <laughs> mom has a lot to do with that. But, you know, and my dad, but, you know, hey, you know, that's just, that's the, that's the, that's what you're born with, man. Uh, Mama Crump did a good job, I see. <laughs> <laughs> We hear everything that you're doing acting-wise, man, but what's up with David Banner musically? Uh, musically, bro, honestly, I had to take uh, I had to take some time away, man. The um, one okay. thing that uh, people are not noticing is that, you know, we put out music now at such a high volume that there is no way people can be telling the truth about their lives. You know, <laughs> because I look at your, your tour schedule. You haven't lived. You know, if you haven't, you know, taken time to, to love or get your heart broke or even if you're in the streets, like, you can't be telling the truth. I, like I said, I looked at your tour schedule. You wasn't on the corner you're lying. There's no way you could be doing the stuff that you say that you're doing, you know, but there's not, there's not that many hours in a day. So in order right. for you to, you know, have great stories, bro, you have to live life for a minute. You have to take yeah. a break. You have to study. You have to you have to be around real people to be able to tell real stories. 
You know, so I took that time out and I lived for a little while and I looked at politics to, and I looked at the state of my people and lived for a while, enjoyed myself for a while, you know, and now I have some stories to tell. Definitely. That's always good to tell stories. So do you, do you have anything coming out musically? Uh, I started just, working, uh, I started working in September. I started recording okay. in okay. September, like, like seriously, in September, you know, um, what I've been doing is, I don't know if you know this, uh, but I, I, I run a music house now. You know, okay. um, I'm doing, my company is doing stuff, I mean, from Pepsi to Mercedes-Benz, Sony, uh, Marvel. I did the commercial music for Marvel versus Capcom. A lot of people don't even know one of the greatest commercials from Gatorade um, in our history was, was written and produced by David Bannon, uh, the one where it sounded like a church song. Yeah, if you want a revolution, um, some of the revolution, um, right. I did that. I did. I did that. So it's like, you know, when people always ask, like, where's David Banner musically? I'm actually all around you, and people just okay. don't know it. So musically, I've never stopped working. You know, um, right. I'm actually working on Jill Scott's album right now. Um, get some stuff okay. for Wayne's last album. Like I've definitely been in and in and around, but for me personally, I wanted to get myself together as a person and really figure out how I want right. to come out. And I've been able to do that. Let me let me just ask this quick question. You talked about earlier in this interview the use of the N word and how people are becoming a little too comfortable with the use of the n-word and you are in the rap game and we hear a lot of the n-word in a lot of hip-hop music is that going mm-hmm. to change for you um yeah it, it's going to change for me it, it has already changed for me but the thing that people have to understand because you see a person doing something doesn't give you the right to do it you know i can okay. see, say i see policemen every day driving around 80 miles an hour in the city who was flashing lights. If I try to go get a flash of light, something is going to happen to me and run through the city at 80 miles an hour. You know, uh, what people have to understand, for over 500 years, we were called that and didn't have a choice to be called that. And right. then, you know, right. once it got to the point where that's all that we heard and we regurgitated, you know, towards ourselves because that's what that was the example that was given to us, yeah, it's going to take time for us to get over that, but that doesn't give you the right at all to say that, whoever else it may end up being. And mm-hmm. also, I can say whatever I want to to my mother. You say it, <laughs> I'm going to break your neck. You know right, what I'm saying? Right, right. And that's the right. same way as it pertains to that. And I, I and it, it surprises me how people feel like they have to right to do that. Like, it's it's cool. I can do that if I want to. Well, okay. Well, there's certain repercussions that come from certain real men, you know what I'm saying? And people have to deal with it. And I am right. disappointed. You know, to me, I don't, I don't, um, I don't, I really don't judge other people's music. Like, you know, people ask me when I say a lot of other rappers and what other people do. And like, my dad always taught me that that's what, you know, women in high school do. Like, I don't <laughs> gossip and go back and forth and play the you talk about me, you talk about them gang. Like, we don't do that. Grown women don't even do that. So I, I'm very right. disappointed at where rap has gravitated to because I don't believe that real men do that. You know, if a person okay. has a problem with me, I just go make a hit record and become more successful than they are and make mm-hmm. their daughters, you know, want my autograph or their wives <laughs> want to date me. Like, that's what I do. 
that's how I get back at people is just become more successful. But right. I'm just sort of disappointed with some of the people who are our leaders, you know, and how, you know, people, they support the system, you know, and making our people more ignorant and, and driving right. our people more down the road, you know, when it's already bad enough. I think in the beginning we had the space, you know, for every for every uh, slave or slave that was a Chuck D. You know, there was right. always balance. You know, even if you look at our, our ghetto boys back in the day, there was there was a balance. For every big boy, there was an Andre 3000. And for every Andre 3000, there was a big boy. There was always a balance, you know, when I first came out in music, you know. But now the fact that it has become so corporate and so corporate ran and mm. musicians allow you know, the record labels to control the type of music that they put out, but there is no balance. So whereas you could go somewhere else and hear something else, the children now don't have that balance. If one thing is hot and if using that word is what's going to get me, you know, out of the hood or, you know, whatever it may end up being, that's what people are doing. And what we don't understand is that, you know, we're serving two causes. We we are helping, you know, continuing the ignorance of our folks and serving the purpose of with these, you know, a lot of these corporations and, and you know, corporate jail cells and corporate, you know, just funding of, of, of young black and Latino men to continue to stay Absolutely. in the situations that they're in in America, you know. So that's just something that I, I, I just don't choose to be a part of. David, what do you have? We, we talked about the butler. We talked about you're going to get started musically in September. One final thing, what else is going on with you acting-wise? Anything else coming out before we get you out of here? Oh uh, yeah, I'm in uh, Ride Along with Kevin Hart and uh, with Ice Cube. I just shot my uh, my own um, uh, I just shot my own short film that's coming out next week. I'm gonna put it out on YouTube. You know, you you can hear more about it on my Twitter page at the Real Banner. Or if you just don't agree with nothing that I say, you want to argue about it, that's great. Hit me on Twitter at the Real Banner. Uh, you can hit me on uh, Instagram and see what's going on with me on Instagram or uh, Daily Banner Likes Pictures. So that's really exciting. And uh, that's, that's it for the most part, brother. David, pleasure talking to you, man. Wish you nothing but the best of luck. Let's do this again. All right, brother. Thank you so much, man. I appreciate it. Have a wonderful day, all right? You too. Tell Mama Crump I said hi. All right, Mama, he said bye. She said bye. <laughs> <laughs> All right, bro. Be good. All right. <laughs> David Banner, great straight story to tell. Big time movie, The Butler. Lee Daniels, The Butler. Make sure you check it out in theaters. Now, we're going to bring in a guy now. And, uh, we want to apologize for having him wait there, but we're going to bring in a guy now who has a big time story, and, and I've been talking about this story uh, throughout the course of the show before we were uh, leading up to this interview. William Hollis, a, a guy who's who, who's looking to get into the NFL, looking and fighting to get into the National Football League. We always hear about the glamour stories of, of guys who've made it in the NFL, guys who've had success in the NFL, but we, we sometimes don't listen and, and, and talk about the process. And, and the process is big, and the process is not always easy, and it's not always simple. It's downright hard. And we're going to bring in a guy who's going through the process and who's fighting to make himself a big-time NFL player. Let's bring him in now, NFL free agent William Hollis. 
William. How you doing today, Mr. Grant? How are you, man? Uh, I'm blessed, man. Blessed to be on the show. Honored to be on your show. Uh, Honored to have you, William. And now, your goal ultimately is to play in the NFL or, or play in any professional league, whether it's the CFL, NFL. How close do you feel like you are to realizing that dream? I feel like um, honestly, um, this year is a, uh, is a definitely a, a long shot, and, and my chances are very slim. But um, what I'm focusing on now, um, I'm, I'm, I'm just basically, I'm, I'm really close. I'm really close. Far as next year, definitely next year, definitely is the time I, I'll be, uh, I should be in there next year. <laughs> So we look at it now. We we look at it now, and what do you bring to an NFL or CFL team? I bring man. I bring passion, man. Uh, passion, um, conviction for the game. I definitely. I don't do it for you know those those Range Rovers and the Mercedes and and the diamond chains and the clubs. People do it for. I do it for my family, my brother and my sister right. and my my, my grandmother and. Um, and uh, the people that love me, you know, my, my my brother and sister, they they are, um, you know, we we sat at the table, we had Thanksgiving, we had Christmas. That is my family, my brother, my sister, uh, uh, and, and my baby brother. You know, I, I want, I just, uh, we lost our mom young, and the right. main thing for me is I'm just, I just want to really, um, uh, 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 I, I really, I really just want to, you know, just. Make make all of them proud, you know. That's that's the reason I play the game. I don't really play it for the uh, the material things, anything like that. Just for the love of it and, the, and my passion for the game. What have scouts told you that you needed to work on to get to that next level? Um, I you know my mental, uh, my mental, uh, you know some of my past and and, and my um, life uh, uh, situations I was in basically. Um, it kind of it kind of uh, hindered me a lot, you know, with with me, um, you know, knowing right from wrong, and 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 basically had to learn on the go. Everything I had I did in life, I just had to learn on the go. So basically, it's about me me learning and and get my forty my forty speed down. When I came out of okay. college, a lot of the scouts didn't know that I didn't have the 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 uh, big time uh, uh, velocity uh, training facilities to go to. I, I trained myself. Because uh, you know, I had went through a little situ- situation at uh, Tuskegee, and um, you know, things just didn't work out. I guess that wasn't what the Lord wanted me. Uh, he didn't. You know, I guess it wasn't in my time at that time. So I went through my right. little situation, and I never gave up. Honestly, I just uh, I went on to the next the next chapter in my life and went to play arena ball and down in Columbus, Georgia, and uh, had an excellent excellent season as a um, as a rookie. But um, mainly just just my forty speed. Definitely, definitely, okay. And let's go to your life story, man. Let's go to your journey. Now, you grew up in a home with a drug-addicted mother. From there, you went from foster home to foster home. You know, during this, I mean, this is a rough journey for you, man. Were there times as a child where you were like, you know what, I, I want to give up, even as an adult? Um, man, it was it was plenty of times where I, um, where, where where I definitely wanted to give up. I, I felt like um, you know bouncing from uh, you know the house and then to house and, and, and my grandmother uh, trying to you know do you know trying to do the best uh, uh, she could with, with me and my brother. And it took a it took a collective um, effort to try to uh, you know get me and my baby brother and my sister. Uh, to the point where we can we have an opportunity to be successful, but um, 
it was it was it was days and nights where I, I thought that you know um, I would be another statistic. Uh, I, I would be right. a, a drug dealer. I'd be uh, uh, potentially a murderer or 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 doing all of all of all the things that I grew up um, seeing in Pontiac, Michigan. But basically, um, man, it was something instilled in me, and I and I can honestly say it was only God that I, I looked at. I looked at my mother, and I, I looked at my sister, and I looked at my brother, and I said, "I'm gonna change this." And 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 by any means necessary, if if it takes me turning down uh, nights to go to the parties. Uh, to train and, and 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 study my craft, I would do that. And, and and basically, my whole life just been a sacrifice, man. I never I never did anything for myself uh, ever in my life. I, I mean, the accolades and and people telling me, you know, you're a great athlete, you're a great player. That all was fine and dandy. But my main thing, my whole life, I was chasing to save my mother's life and uh, take her out of Pontiac, Michigan. My mom, my mother was. One of the sweetest, like I said, she didn't she didn't have all the uh, 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 the educational background, all the she didn't give me all the Jordans or the or the video games or any of that stuff. But one thing I say about my mother, my mother was real, and my mother, um, she I feel like she was my angel from the Lord, and she was right. a very special woman, very talented woman. Just was hit with a lot of uh, circumstances young, just like I was. And um, you know she just she just instilled in me that I am great and and, and, and big things do come from small places and uh, I dedicated my life to her and um, you know giving her everything she wanted. I remember one thing she always told me and there's one thing that that stuck with me for the rest that's gonna stick with me for the rest of my life. She told me one time she's like, Will, I don't want a car, I don't want a big house, um, I don't want the diamonds, I don't want none of that, son. I just want a room. In a house with you, where I can wake up and see my baby and see my grandbaby for the rest of my life, and I can die a happy woman. And and when my mother told me that, it it, it really touched me, and it, and, it, and it made me say that no matter what anybody say, uh, what anybody um feel about me, and no matter what school or or big time university I come from, I know I'm great. I know I got a talent from from the Lord above. And uh, once right. I get that opportunity to showcase that, like the rest of those great NFL players do, um, I won't disappoint at all. And and that's that's just me, man. We're talking to NFL free agent William Hollison. William, you, you talked about the the issues that you know deal growing up with your mother and everything. And there were times, man, as I read, where you would go to to drug houses to protect her and sleep with your mother. Man, talk about that. I mean, that's got to be tough thing dealing with at the age of 15. You were 15 when you were doing these type of things. Uh basically man, it, it was uh it was it was very it was very uh it was very dramatic, you know, I we, we you know, I um it, the my main thing my whole life basically man was just to, you know, just to protect my mother man and 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 keep her safe. It, it was it was my city is dangerous in itself. I tell you, kids that's probably listening to this interview and my and my beautiful supporters and my family that's listening to this interview, they they'll tell you that th- these type of events where you know where where you know you see your mom high and you see your mom in 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 in, in environments that you don't even feel comfortable being in and you know you don't feel comfortable seeing your mother in. So with that, man, it was just it was hard, man. And I tell you, the to, to sum it up, man, it's just like. Things got so hard that it became normal to me. You know what I mean? And, 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 and when things start getting so bad and, and, and everything's going bad and the only thing you're seeing is bad, 
it start you start to become uh, you, you start to adapt to it. You start to adapt to that lifestyle. You start to adapt to um, the lifestyle uh, that that the drug dealers doing and the lifestyle uh, of the street gangs and and all that stuff. So you know, it was really like it, to me. You know, to me it was very it was very dramatic. And to others, it may be very very dramatic. But with me, it was like. It was something me, my brother, and my sister we grew accustomed to. You know what I mean. But one thing, one thing about the only thing we were happy about is that yeah, my mother was getting high. My mother was doing all those, all those things that you know could potentially uh, uh, break up a family. But I, I can say this about my mom: she, you know, she fought hard uh, for, for, on her drug addiction to to. Um, to keep you know to keep us together uh, you know just as much as she can and a reason the reason why you know my mother had reached that point in her life at her young age is because you know my mother was my mother was molested by her father as 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 a, as a child and and my mother I, I didn't you know I didn't find this out until late in my life and I realized that this great woman that I I felt like had so much greatness in her she was traumatized she she was um she, she was heartbroken, you know what I mean. She she wasn't right mentally, and and I learned that for myself. It was it's no way that I can go into the NFL if my mind and my and, and my heart is not right. And um, right. I fight. And, and, and when I think about my mother and I think about what she endured, um, and what she and how hard she fought to show me love and affection, even though I knew it was hard for her to even do it. Me playing this game and me chasing this career, man, it's 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 easy. You know what I mean? Because when I think about what she went through, that's that's my, my whole mind frame. When I step on the field, I look a man in his eyes and I say, "You ain't felt what I felt." I play the game. Right. I, I play the game. You know, just with just with pure conviction and passion, man. And and I do it for. Oh, I, honestly, to God, I, I do this for every underdog and every kid that they say can't be nothing and won't be nothing. Because I know all those big-name scouts, I know, their job's on the line to even bring me in and give me a shot. But only thing, you know, the the, the, the most thing that I, I, I think about when I think about, you know, when I think about what I, what I would endure as a child, I, I tell the coach, I was like, if, if, if I can endure that, I can endure 60 minutes of a football game and making a play. Whenever you need me to make that play, because, I, like I said, when I when I play a game, it's, it's like my life on the line. Some right. some nights, I, um, some games in, in college, I thought about it. I wouldn't I wouldn't get them three square square meals a day if I wasn't out there making them sacks. If I wasn't out there making them tackles, and and I know it's a dog eat dog world, and and, and, and you got to do for others to receive sometimes. But 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 the main thing for me is I I just I just drop down on my knees every night, Mr. Grant, and I and I pray and I pray that some coach some scout. Uh, will, will, will notice my effort and my and my um, ambition and my will never to give up and just um, you know I feel like it won't hurt for you to let me strap my pads on and come in that camp and show you what what I'm capable of because um, you know a lot of kids like me in my neighborhood were great athletes 
and they did a lot of great things in, in their lives as far as athletically, but because of the lack of parenting and, 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 and the lack of uh, uh, stability, they, they went, they strayed off. And, and, and a lot of those guys I, I met, you know, I meet in the NFL, I, I, um, they, they tell me all the time, my mother, uh, my father was great, was, was great to me. And, I, and like I said, I don't, I, don't, I don't take my story and, 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 and want, to, want anybody to feel bitter, about, you know, bitter or bad for me. Because what happened to me as a kid is what the Lord put, he, he made, he built me strong enough to endure that. And now I'm 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 living I'm just I'm just trying to uh I'm trying to give my story and save another kid life because one thing I noticed about kids in, in the inner city, we really don't listen to people who never been through what we've been through. But I got a cousin named Sam Rogers that moved me to California, um, my junior year of high school and and I set up and I said, um I told him, I told him, I didn't have all that stuff you had. I didn't, I didn't have my mama around me all the time telling me right from wrong or my daddy telling me right from wrong. And one thing that shut me up immediately is when he told me, me neither. And he played wow. Wow. 11 plus years in the NFL. And he said, Will, look at me. I'm in Marina Del Rey, California. I got a million dollar home. I come from the same place you come from. And when he told me that, it switched my whole mind frame to the point where I know it won't be nobody to stop me. I'm 23 years old, and I won't never stop fighting. I fight, I'm, I'm talking about I will fight for this until my body won't allow me to. I will play on right. any mediocre league, any mediocre place on this on this earth to prove to – because anybody that ever watched me play a game, all-star game, I have played against Division One players in the program, International Scout Bowl, had over six tackles, interceptions. I still, I still didn't get no call. And, and that's when I learned that, you know, your time is your time. The Lord going to tell me when it's my time. But for the time being, I'm going to give back and I'm going to continue to help uh, inner-city kids like myself continue to believe in themselves and when I speak to them they help me believe in myself and when I get low and when I don't want to do things no more they help they 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 motivate me to keep pushing and be successful now William I I'm hearing your story man and it seems you know it's obviously a very positive story you went from the bottom and you're trying to make it all the way to the top and are there times and were there times where you had anger or any type of resentment towards your mother I know she she's holds a very special place in your heart. But what were you were there ang was there anger towards her because she didn't give you the type of life that maybe you wanted or you felt like you deserved? Honestly God answer, man, never in my life, never in my okay. life did I ever hate my mama for nothing she she didn't do for me. I I was always a kid that just to see my just to see my mom or or just to just to come in the house in the afternoon and see my mom sitting on the couch. I was a kid just sat next to her, give her a hug, lay on her, um, you know, try to you know try to make the project feel like a mansion. You know what I mean? I, right. I would pick flowers on the way home from school to give to her. She was my she was my queen. You know she it wasn't it, it really never ever never shoes clothes. Um, that type of stuff, that's not that's not important. She taught me that's that's not important. But eating eating, having a place to lay your head and right. having somebody that sincerely loves you is what's important in life. And 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 and, and if anything, my mother blessed me uh with maturity at a young age. She blessed me to appreciate 
if somebody buys you a, a, a four-piece chicken nugget or, or a hamburger, you thank them like they just gave you a million dollars. You thank wow. them. You be grateful for everything you get, Will. And and, 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 and that's one thing I, I say. My mother was the best. Like I had the best mother in the world, even as a drug addict. I had the best mother in the world, and she was a she was truly an angel, man. Never, I never had any 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 regrets, any nothing, nothing. I I read and I hear your story, man. I gotta be honest, man. People like you either a end up in a grave or b end up in prison. That's just the reality of the situation. So as far as I'm concerned, whether you play a down in football, you are a success. If you never play a down in the NFL, CFL, or any type of league do you view yourself as successful um honestly i, I the, the, the 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 passion that i have for the game and 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 the sport um i would i would i would i would honestly feel i would honestly feel like i failed if i okay. if i did if i'd never played in a professional level of football not you know not because of you know of 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 you know the critics and I mean all the people that watch me and be like, oh, is he in the NFL or is he not? It's because I've been playing this game at the highest level since I can remember. But one of the, you know, I had um I had a Division One offers coming out of high school, but my learning disability um stopped me from from getting all those taking all those offers that I that I did receive, and it, it basically was. It, you know, to me, I look at it like this. It, it basically, it was the Lord, man. It, he, you know, he has his he has his timing on everything. I I, I want to tell you a story. It was a, I came to Toronto, and and and, and my um, my publicist Simone, she she took me. She took me to church uh, my my first week here, and then the preacher was speaking. He said, "He said it's something. He said something's called about. It's something called appointments. And a lot of people that don't don't reach their goals is because it's something in life that's holding them back from reaching their appointment, from getting to the places they need to be. And he said, if you're setting still." There's no way you can reach your appointment set and still. You have to continue to move. And I look back at my life and I continue to and I continue to think about all these schools. Terry Bowden, great football coach, give me a full scholarship. Um, uh, uh, Clark Atlanta, full scholarship. Central Missouri, full scholarship. I've been to all these schools and every school gave me a full scholarship for my talents. And I came all the way to Toronto, finally to this point in my life where it's to the point where. I finally get a chance to be, to learn how to be a man, to learn how to deal with my anger, to learn how to to deal with, with negative people while keeping it professional and while while not disrespecting anybody. And even right. even my educational, even Simone, you know Simone and and Daphne and Marcus, you know those are my my trainer. Marcus is my trainer. Daphne, my um, you know she's doing she's working with my personal brand, and Simone does my, you know, uh, uh, she helps me with my, you know, my uh, to articulate and 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 basically right. be a more intelligent man. And um, you know, honestly, sir, I, I I I honestly I honestly believe in everything in my heart that I will be in the NFL one day. And I won't just be on the roster, and I won't just be, um, you know, just seen in the league. I'm going to be something great. And I, and I honestly, and and, 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 I, and it's not even a cocky uh, uh, thing about me. It's really like this. It's my destiny. Because right. I wouldn't be alive without this game. 
I wouldn't I wouldn't still be breathing without this game called football. I wouldn't I wouldn't I wouldn't wake up and be able to smile anymore. I believe if it wasn't for this game, I would be dead. Because after I lost my mother it was I had plenty of suicidal thoughts. And in this game and my daughter and the love for my sister and brother kept me alive. And wow. I went all the way to the point where I put a pistol to my head. Wow. And I wanted to kill myself at a, it's called Tuskegee Lake. I went out there, I wanted to kill myself because I thought that everything I ever worked for, all the accolades, all these setbacks, the reasons why I can't go. I went to, I went to North Alabama, and, 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 and I had Terry Bond, one of the best coaches I ever had, the best universities. And then I, my, the, the, mother, the mother of my child mother was paralyzed in a car accident, and, and my daughter was born, and I, and I have no choice but to leave my dream school. And, again, I say, this is God. This is something I can't control. Uh, 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 it's nothing I can do about it. And I just got so tired of being knocked down and knocked down and knocked down. When I get so close by that door, I'm knocking on the door. And it broke me down and it made me weak. But something whispered in my ear and it told me to throw that pistol in the lake. And I, I threw that pistol in the lake. I went and got a job. I worked. And I continued to work and I continued to work. And, and guess what? The Lord brung me all the way back from there. I made an arena team. I beat a veteran out in the arena team my first year as a rookie. I was uh, leading the whole league, and then and then I got hit with a divorce. Um, uh, uh, the, you know, I met her after a little time after my mom had passed, my wife, and and the things didn't work out. I got married young, and I got married fast because I just needed love and and, and to survive. And 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 then I got hit with the divorce, and then everything just start start going start going bad, man. And I and 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 I start falling off in my arena league, and it just. I just got tired of trying to put things behind me. So that was one of my main decisions to come here and focus on my mental, me as a man, because I learned you can't do anything in this life, in this world, without having your mind, your head on straight. And I've been, I've been, I've been running around like a chicken with his head cut off for my entire career, running off just talent alone. But now, this this main this thing this thing that I'm doing right now is called it's, it's the William Hollis Project, and it's very big. And um, uh, I, I honestly I can't thank um, you know my team and the people that that's there for me. They doing this out of the, the, the kindness of their heart for free. These people get paid wow. for the things they doing for me. They doing it for free, and that's how I know I'm I'm I met my appointment. I'm at my appointment. The Lord brought me here to Toronto. He brought me here at one of the worst times in my life where I didn't know which way to go. And, and when I returned back to the States and I returned back in front of a coach to, to work me out, my mind, my body's going to look better. My heart's going to be clear. My mind's going to be clear. And, and I want them scouts to know that you have a full athlete. You got, you got a person. I can go into the community and speak. I can step in a locker room and, and, and instantly be an energy plug. You know what I mean? And, 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 the, and the key thing that I've learned, that I learned for the first time in my life, is to listen and to learn that wow. nobody's in this, nobody in this world knows everything. Nobody. And, and the only way you could be successful, only way you could be successful is to step out your comfort zone. And, and that's what I'm doing by reading books. 
by by writing by 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 writing my problems down in in, in diaries and and doing all the things that I never thought. You know, in the hood we say that's weak, that's soft, that's this. I'm stepped out of my comfort zone and I'm I'm, I'm learning to be a great man. And, and and Mr. Grant, I say this with all honestly. Yes, I will play in the NFL. I will strap my pads on in the NFL and I will be remembered. I just, I just, I'm, I'm just waiting on my time, and I'm waiting on the Lord to bless me with my opportunity. And when it comes, I will not let it slip. And, and again, Mr. Grant, I, you don't know, it's a blessing for you to let, to have me on this show, man, and 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 let me speak and, and let me tell my story, sir. And and, and, and and I'm just, I'm very grateful, man. And and I honestly can't tell you. The way my life going right now, the reason I wake up and smile, it's all because of the Lord. And I've never been the kid that went to church every Sunday or none of that. He just stepped into my life and he said, look, I'm going to use you. I'm going to use you. I beat you up. He beat me up. They beat me up. He knocked me down. He knocked me down. He knocked me down. But he gave me strength to stand up every single time. And I'm 23 years old now. And I figured, and I figured like this, Lord put me through all through that, put me all through that early at an early age. So I can become this great man young. So I can I can do great things for a long time. And, and, and it's called longevity. And that's what I wanna do. And I wanna I wanna do it for the underdogs, Mr. Grant. I wanna do it. I wanna do it for you. I wanna do it for my publicists. I wanna do it for everybody who say everybody who was told they couldn't be nothing, man. And that's the honest to God truth. That's the only reason why I wake up at five in the morning every morning and I bust my butt and I grind and I grind and I grind and I grind. And, 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 and I sleep, I sleep on the floor right now. You know what I mean? I sleep on the floor. I love my people. Like I said, I'm not nobody. I'm a grown man. I, I chose to come here and I chose to sleep on the floor. I chose to get up every day and grind. I, I eat what I, what I, what I, what I what I can't eat when I can't eat it, and 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 and, and I still wake up and smile every single day. I get off that hard flow every single day, and I say I'm about to hit the gym. I'm gonna be better than I was yesterday, because I know tough tough times don't laugh, but tough people do. And, and definitely, um, your, your your story is a testament to tough people, tough times, and doing what you have to do to be successful. William, I hate to cut you off, sir, but we got to get out of here. Real quickly now, tell us where we can find information about some of the big things that you're doing. Um, you can, uh, if you join my my LinkedIn page, um, it's called uh, just just William Hollis. Just uh, just um, text William. Just check William Hollis, and um, you'll see my upcoming coming events. I got an event um, coming tomorrow for uh, for kids in Haiti. Um, I'm, I'm my first big motivational speech uh, speaking event um, down here in Toronto, and um, it's basically for the kids in Haiti, so we can try to you know get some schools built for them down in uh, Haiti and, and toys, and get some more stuff donated. And if anybody out there uh, interested interested in donating and, and, and giving to the kids in Haiti because they really need it and they, and they really deserve it. Um, uh, uh, you could just join me on LinkedIn and, 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 and message me and, and I can give you all the information. William, pleasure having you on, man. Wish you nothing but the best of luck moving forward. Let's do this again. Absolutely, Mr. Grant. Thank you, man. Just keep your eyes open, man. I'm going to make you proud, man. Thank you. Will do. Will do. Take care. Absolutely. William Hollis, 
I told you you had a good story. You can listen to this show and other great shows at blogtalkradio.com slash pgant. That's blogtalkradio.com slash pgant where you can listen to this show and other great shows. I want to thank William Hollis. I want to thank Isaac Keys. I want to thank David Banner. For everybody here, go for it. We hope you have a great day. See you later. Take care.